Hey, and welcome to the Tour Bus Podcast. I'm Jay, a.k.a. the Tour Bus Driver. Today we've got a preview of our interview with Christian Paschal. He's the drummer and band leader for Marin Morris. Before that, he was with Christian music superstar David Crowder. Before that, he and I were playing gigs together in South Atlanta. When I caught up with Christian, we talked about going to bars to pick up gigs and how he progressed from the South Atlanta music scene to playing with one of the hottest country artists today. But before we get to the interview, I've got another treat for you guys. What you're about to hear is the introduction to Christian's audition video for Marin. Morris. You see, he wasn't able to make the audition with Marin, but he was able to send in a video uh, and audition uh, remotely. And it's just a masterclass in being confident, but also being humble. Um, It's a perfect take on how to make a first impression uh, and also how to nail an audition. So check out Christian's uh, audition intro, followed by a preview of our interview with Christian. At the end, you can stick around and hear a little bit more about the Tour Bus Podcast. Here's Christian. What's up, Marin, Matt, whoever else is watching this? I don't know who. Maybe nobody. Uh, I just wanted to send a little video and introduce myself. I'm Christian, and uh, I'm really sorry that I wasn't able to make the um, rehearsal today. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out for me to come off the road. The flights didn't happen, but I was able to scoot back on a day off to make this uh, little video audition for you, which Matt suggested. So I hope it works out. As you can see, we're... uh, we're in the little studio here. Got my very scientific GoPro uh, mount, floor, uh, rack tom mount there. So uh, just gonna play along uh, to the songs, which I love, by the way. And uh, and uh, I hope that sometime soon we get to meet and I hope you like what you hear and uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. I get a text that was like, hey, the gig's yours if you want it, thinking, this is great, I got the gig. And I'm about to head in, and I get a phone call from Marion's manager. It's the tour has just been canceled. It's that I think to be a touring musician, you have to be really good at self-management. It's like the only job on planet Earth that I can think of where like you're borderline encouraged to drink. Just gonna do, I'm just going to do my best. You know, it kind of removes the pressure. Hey, Christian, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us today. Excited to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, yeah. I like the enthusiasm. <laughs> Excited to be on the podcast. No, man. Everybody is, says my enthusiasm caps out at like a four. So uh, I would, what you just got was like maxing out. <laughs> Perfect. Redlining. Um, yeah. Cool, man. I love it. Love it. Well, hey, I was, uh, you know, I was thinking back on just, some of the few times we got to play together and they were mostly church gigs, I think. And one of the things that stuck out is I was actually, and you may not even remember this, I was running sound and I FaceTimed you while you were playing drums. And this was like right when <laughs> FaceTime came out and the, the yeah. quality was awful. It sounds like something I'd do. <laughs> and so you were making faces mid song and I was running sound and whatever. It was, it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think uh, I probably had a lot of antics uh, <laughs> there in particular at that church in particular. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was dangerous for me to have the to be on sound and have the in ear mic and be able to <laughs> yeah. talk back to you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 
Good man. So and and lo and behold, now your band director and drummer for Marin Morris, and that's probably yeah. maybe how many years? How many years ago would you say was like when you started branching out from the church gig? Like how long of a, uh, a stint since since playing in churches in South Atlanta or, and whatever? Yeah, else? right. I mean, when I the, I would think I would say that kind of started when I started with Crowder, which was uh, probably uh, seven or eight years ago, somewhere okay. in that ballpark only because David started keeping us busy on Sundays. And so I was less available, uh, on Sundays to, to go play at churches, which if anybody listening doesn't know church, playing to churches, especially in Atlanta, you know, that's sort of, uh, for lack of a better phrase, kind of big business, you know, (laughs) it is, it absolutely is. And so, um, but yeah, I, I think when I started with Crowder, that that kind of started to slow down, and then I moved to Nashville toward the end of my my tenure with Crowder, and that was about five years ago. So, uh, so you know, yeah. So about three years on so the road five with to Crowder. Seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then three years on the road with Crowder. Um, how did exactly. how, how did the Crowder gig come about? Do you remember how you got so, that? Yeah, of course. So. Um, so when I lived in Atlanta, I lived, uh, at the time I lived in this neighborhood called Cabbage Town, uh, which coincidentally is where, uh, my, my, my new wife and I have, have our place in Atlanta now. Okay, cool. Um, but, uh, it w- right down the hallway actually from where we used to live. But, uh, anyway, That's I, awesome. we That's had, awesome. we, yeah, yeah. We lived in these lofts down there and, um, there's a, there's a, there's like a neighborhood pub and the, in the like most accurate, you know, it's the most, uh, puppy pub that I know of in the what's United it, what's States. What's it called? It's called Milltown Arms. Okay. Uh, and you know, it's, and the reason I call it a pub is because it's like literally everybody in the neighborhood hangs out there. And so, uh, um, when I was in Atlanta, you know, we all, everybody that lived in Cabbage Town and the surrounding neighborhoods used to go to Milltown. And, uh, it just so happened that David had, moved to Atlanta um, around the same time and was hanging out down there with everybody else. He was like the, he was like the pastor of Milltown in a sense. But uh, <laughs> so uh, we just kind of became friends there from being in the neighborhood. And that was toward the end of his uh, end of the run with the David Crowder band, uh, which was the other project that he had been doing for, I think 11 years, 13 years, something like that. And then uh, he was winding that down and starting to put together some new music. Wasn't sure where it was going to go yet. And, uh, he actually asked me to, um, mix, to do front of house for a few shows. And so I was like, sure. So I did a couple shows in front of house. So I, I was doing that. And, uh, around that same time, he had been writing some country songs and wanted to do some demos. So he found out that I was producing music and recording and stuff. And so, uh, asked me if I would do the demos for him. Of course I said, yes. And yeah. that's when he found out or figured out that I was a drummer and he was like, Oh, this guy's pretty good. I, I want to hire him to play drums. So, uh, I think the next run that I was mixing, I, I did front of house for a show and then he wanted to add drums for this, uh, uh, iTunes exclusive thing that they did. It used to be years ago. It was like live from Soho and now it's just like iTunes exclusive. And so gotcha. we did it, uh, we flew to LA and did it at, uh, Capitol Records studio did that. And that was my first uh, thing on drums for David. And he just kept calling. And then it, uh, you know, it was like, at first it started, it was like, okay, well, I'll just wait till I get a phone call. If he's got a show and he wants me to play it. And before long, it was just like, well, if he has a show, then uh, I guess I'm playing drums and it became a thing. Nice. So 
it, per, for perspective, gig wise, what were you doing right before that from a drumming perspective? And so, and what was what was yeah. it like? What was Crowder like at that time to get that gig? What was you know was it like same level you had done? Was it bigger? Were you nervous? Was it were you scared yeah. about anything? I mean, prior to that, you know, I had just done like you know, church stuff in Atlanta. And then like for years I had toured with, I had a band with a couple other guys, like a, a like a um, worship band, like a church worship band. We would travel around and do youth camps and stuff. And, and uh, we had done some pretty big, like we did a lot of really big, like church conferences and things with that. But as far as like, uh, I don't know what, what scale exactly this would exist on, but as far as like sort of the artist scale or whatever, that kind of the clout scale, it wasn't comparable to what, to what Crowder was doing. So, but I had, I had actually kind of, um, I had hung that up a little bit before just cause I was like kind of feeling like it was time to move on and I didn't really know what was next, but I, f- I figured I had to kind of let go of one thing in order to grab one to another. I've always sort of done studio related things, production, Sure. Uh, it's more mixing and stuff now, uh, kind of intertwined in there, but they've never really been mutually exclusive. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I was doing that and then, uh, the Crowder thing came along and that was, that was in a lot of ways bigger than anything I had ever done. It was, it was the first time I ever, I had ever done, I guess I had done a few tours on a tour bus. I did a tour with a guy named Aaron Schust. Um, right. So, you know, like I had done some stuff like that, but this was the first sort of proper touring thing where there's, you know, just a little more going on. And so, uh, as far as like the bus and the tour manager yeah. and, and that sort of stuff, it was just a little more established. Do you remember, do you remember something you learned early on, like drumming gig one or two with Crowder or? Um, it was definitely an education as to what maybe artists are or are not paying attention to. Uh, I mean, and all I really mean by that is just like, it's like, if you learn a to learn, excuse me, take learning a song, for example, it's like, you're you're, uh, like, I guess you would initially kind of go like, well, I'm going to learn this thing note for note, exactly the way it is on the album. And depending on the artist that, that may or may not be what they want, you know, like, um, and so like I had learned everything like to the T on the album and then show up at rehearsals and the whole band is doing a completely different interpretation (laughs) of the thing. Partially because it's like they're different instruments, like with this iteration. So just like playing like, at church is, so it's just like playing at church is what you're saying. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. I mean, with David, it was, I showed up and it was like upright, it wasn't a rock band like it was on the album. It was like upright bass and fiddle and wow. like a dobro and all this. It was very different. So so what'd you do? I quickly learned like, uh, I I learned it as it was and then I adapted it at rehearsal to sort of fit what we had going on. So uh, I glad, I'm glad I did learn it as as it was on the record, but um, sure, yeah. yeah. You all, you always want to do that at the very least, right. yeah. And then make it your own if 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 it calls for it, I guess. Sure. So the lesson number one is go hang out in local pubs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How did you like? Was was there any any story around like, hey, David Crowder, I'm Christian. I know who you are, but you don't know who I am. I think am. I got introduced to him and we, we ran in some similar circles, you know? Sure. Uh, so like, you know, I, I, I may have gotten introduced to him and I think, um, you know, maybe there's a lesson in here somewhere as in that, that being that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're good at what you do, you generally don't have to tell people they're going to, they're going to figure it <laughs> yep, out. Absolutely. Um, 
And I think that that was sort of the case here, uh, like where he, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we talked music and maybe at some point he asked me what I played or whatever, but at no point did I ever feel compelled to like force myself on him. And nor was I I even like looking necessarily like, I wasn't like gone into play with him. It just sort of kind of happened. You know, I might have, like when the the country demos came up, I might have offered like, hey man, you know, I'd love to do those demos for you or whatever. But like, like it wasn't something that I, that I forced myself into at all. It just, I got introduced and we became friends and it was, it just felt uh, very natural. It didn't feel like a, uh, like a, something I had to, you know, make happen. Sure. And, and we're, and this is early in, in doing these podcasts and I've got a feeling that'll probably be a, a, a theme in a lot of the guy's stories. But you know, like it's, it's, a, it maybe comes from relationships and other guys yeah. that some, maybe, you know, in the band or whatever, like for example, um, so a, f- a friend of mine, Scotty, who you might know, Scotty Wilbanks. It's like mm-hmm. Scotty's playing with Luke Bryan now, and he, um, you know, he was doing Third Day for a hundred years, uh, playing like <laughs> right. playing keys for them. And then when Third Day hung up, hung it up, he was like, well, I don't know what's going to happen next. Well, it just so happened that uh, their their old Third Day's old guitar tech. He had been uh, away from Third Day for years. His name is Brian. Brian had been working for Luke Bryan for several years. And when they were looking for a keys player, Brian threw Scotty's name in the hat, and now that's Scotty's kick, you know? Yeah, and... and You never know who it'll come from. Be nice to your techs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That and and coming out of kind of wherever coronavirus fallout lands, <laughs> right. um, you know, just a bit of silver lining or inspiration that, you know, oftentimes these come out of left field and, and they're based off decisions you made years ago. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. So you played with David Crowder for a few years and was Marin the next thing? And how did that come up? Marin was the next thing. Um, I had moved to Nashville and, uh, about a year before I left Crowder somewhere in that ballpark, uh, a friend called me, um, and he was playing with uh, a, a guy named Hunter Hayes, who, which, who was, uh, is a country artist. And, and who was the, who at was the time Hunter him? was, uh, it was a friend of mine. Well, a friend of mine named Matt Utterback, who I knew from okay. Atlanta, I don't know, Matt. uh, great bass player. He, uh, I mean, he, he's lived in Nashville for probably 10 years now, probably twice as long as I have, but gotcha. Matt was playing with Hunter, uh, who's doing really well, uh, at the time and, uh, still doing well, but at that point he was kind of at the height of his career so far. And he, uh, his bass, sorry, his drummer was auditioning for another gig and, uh, so the deal was going to be where if this drummer got that gig, then they were going to need somebody to fill his shoes really quick. And so Matt had played with me in Atlanta and we knew each other and, and uh, he knew that I was in Nashville at that point and just called me up. He and the, uh, the uh, band leader and the musical director called me up. They were in Australia and they were like, hey, here's the deal. Uh, if, if this guy gets this other gig and needs to bail, we don't want to audition anybody really. We just kind of want like want a guy and I think you're the guy and like, would you be into it? And I was like, sure. Sounds great. Um, you know, so, you know, to kind of fast forward, the old drummer ended up not getting the new gig. So he ended up staying on the hunter gig. Well, that kind of got my wheels turning. Like I realized how excited I was about the prospect of doing something outside of Christian music. And it wasn't like I 
I didn't have any animosity toward that. I wasn't necessarily unhappy with oh, sure. or yeah. any of that stuff. I just was really excited about doing something different and, uh, and, you know, kind of, dare I say, like bigger in some ways, there's just, there's just more money and different opportunities. Yeah. I don't mean necessarily more money personally, but just, just more money ir- around country music, pop music, rock music than there are, than there is in Christian music. And so it just makes for a, you know, a more substantial thing. And so, I, um, there's nothing wrong so with I, that. Nothing wrong with no, that. No, not at all. Not at all. It, it it was really exciting for me. And so I, uh, kind of got my wheels turning and, uh, I kind of had some, I don't know. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say I had feelers out, but I, I, I knew that I was interested in doing something different. And, 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 uh, so a friend of mine, uh, was auditioning on guitar for Marin, who was putting together her first you know, band, she had like, this was all within about a month. She, I want to say somewhere a month or two months, she like her manager, uh, she, she started working with this manager in LA. Her manager had uprooted her like family, uh, and moved, they all moved to Nashville from LA for this. Uh, Aaron signed a deal with Sony, uh, and was putting together a band and had like, uh, a small tour opening for this guy, Charles Kelly, who's like the, one of the singers in Lady Antebellum. Yep, but he had, yep. he had about 30 shows. And so she had a, like a spot kind of opening for him on the small solo tour he was doing. Well, so they're putting together a band. My friend is auditioning on guitar and he's like, Hey, I'm going to go audition for this Marin Morris, uh, gig. Uh, and I was like, cool. Show me the music. We're like, I'm like riding in his car, you know, mm-hmm. going down the street, going, to eat or something. And I'm like, Oh, that music sounds pretty cool. I was like, when, uh, I was like, when's the tour kind of thinking like from this sort of LA mindset, which is like, you know, in, in LA, especially in pop music, a lot of times they'll put together a band for a particular tour. And then when that tour is done or that album cycle is done, that band may or may not be back that, that same lineup may or may not be back sure. for the second tour. Whereas in country, it's kind of, it's kind of gear round touring kind of always, and kind of almost like, um, irrespective is that a word irrespective of the record cycles um it's probably not a word doesn't matter but uh, <laughs> record cycle agnostic yeah exactly um <laughs> so anyway like i was like when's the tour and he said uh well it's these dates and and i said i looked at my crowder schedule and i was like that's cool i could i've been wanting to do you know some country stuff or whatever i was like i could make that work i like it doesn't really have any conflicts so I knew the guy that was putting the band together, her musical director at the time. And so I texted him and I said, Hey, uh, I would love to audition for this. You know, if you, if that's cool. And he was like, absolutely. I, I, he's like, I didn't call you cause I figured you were busy with Crowder. Uh, but if you're interested in it, then definitely. So great. So, so you, so you made the first call. I made the first contact. Hey, I made the, I made the call there. Exactly. Um, that's awesome. And just sort of gently was like, Hey, I'd, I'd love to do this if, from the guy. So, uh, you know, he sent me the, sent me the, um, the audition day. Oh, I think at the time they didn't have it nailed down, but in any case, later he, he let me know what day they were doing the audition. And I was like, well, crap, I'm gone. I'm on the road with David that day. I can't, you know, I don't know. It felt kind of weird, especially for something that was like just a tour, like, like a few weeks at the time, like kind of, I didn't want to like bail 
on my main thing just to go audition for this, maybe for this like small tour that was happening. And so I was like, I don't know if I can make it, but I'd still have to, I was like, is there another day I could do it? Whatever, whatever, whatever. He's like, well, he's like, could you do, and I put together a video. I was like, well, yeah, I, I guess I could do that. So I was like, give me the stems, like minus drums or whatever. And I'll go to the studio one day and do a video. So we had an off day with Crowder in Orlando, and that morning I, I took some miles or some sky miles or whatever, and I flew yep. home. And uh, and in the airport, uh, was like realized oh, I don't have a camera. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. <laughs> I, I hadn't really thought this all the way through. And so I bought, like, they have those and phone cameras weren't that machines. great. What's that? The phone camera? Well, the phone camera probably, you know, I thought, like, oh, I could probably find a tripod. But I, I was one of those, like, it was totally an excuse to buy a GoPro. Like, I, I'm i sure I could have sorted another way to do this. But I, like, I went to the airport vending machine that sells GoPros that you're like, why would anybody ever For twice the price. A GoPro out of a, yeah, $400 thing out of a vending machine at the airport. Like, like who's doing that? And I guess the answer is me. So I, I bought a $400 GoPro out of a vending machine on the way home for a gig that I didn't have, you know? And, uh, you obviously weren't married at the time. No, I wasn't married. No, I didn't have to run that purchase by anybody. (laughs) So I set up at the studio. Um, and I like kind of put together, I had like, I didn't even have like a stand for it. I had like a stool and some boxes and junk. I set it on top and I did the audition video and you know, I, I, it's funny, like looking back on it, I feel like I made some really good decisions about how to like what to put on the video. And like, you know, at the beginning, uh, you know, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I introduced myself and I'm like, Hey, what's up? I figure like, I'm thinking, okay, they, pro- like, they probably want to kind of have some idea of my personality a little bit. So I'll just say hello and try and like make up for the thing that I won't have by being there in person, which is shaking their hand and chit chatting or whatever. So level four excitement. Um, yeah, exactly. So they would know, okay, this guy caps out at a four. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I put together the video and sent it in, went back on the road. Audition day comes around and they watch it and uh, I get a text that was like, hey, the gig's yours if you want it. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Wow. So I'm like, awesome. So I did the uh, video audition. He texted me and said, hey, you got the gig. I'm thinking, this is great. I got the gig. I played a few shows with Marin at this point. We did a few showcasey type things. And then uh, I, I saw that there were conflicts coming up with the Charles Kelly tour. The dates that I had weren't exactly what I thought they were going to be. And uh, so I went to David and I said, hey, uh, at this point I'd done a handful of shows with Marin, whatever. And I said, uh, I said, hey, you know, I've done a handful of shows with this uh, country artist and I really want to chase it down and see where it goes. There's some conflicts moving forward. And, uh, I just want to know, like, you know, do you mind if I sub out some shows with you or would you rather somebody sub out your entire winter jam tour, which is what was coming up, which is a lot of shows, you know, probably, I don't know, 40 shows, something like that. Um, and he said, well, let's just get somebody to sub that, uh, tour instead of you hopping in and out. And, uh, if you want to come back, in the summer, then we, you know, we'll talk about it. I'm thinking, okay, great. So, uh, 
I, I, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's kind of a leap of faith here. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure what he was going to say. He might have said, well, like, if you don't want to play with me, then maybe you just need to move on. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, he, yeah, he could have just said, pack your, lost. go ahead and pack yeah. your desk up. Yeah. Right. But he didn't. He was really gracious. Yeah. And so um, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's good. At least I had that to fall back on. <clears throat> At the same time, I'm thinking, well, I've like I just hung up a lot of shows with David for for like a very unknown thing with Marin. <laughs> do, you have, do you have buyer's and remorse at that point? Maybe, yeah. I didn't really know what was going to happen. I was like, I hope this works out. So we go to I get up the morning of the the first audition for sorry, not, excuse me, rehearsal for the Charles Kelly tour, and I'm about to head in and I get a phone call from Marin's manager. It says, Hey, what's going on? I'm like, Well, I'm about to head in. She says, Well, the tour has just been canceled. All right, time for a union break. Hopefully you're enjoying uh, the preview episode. We're listening to a little bit of Christian Pascal's story. We're going to leave it right there, a little bit of a cliffhanger. Pick it back up in a later episode. You've been listening to the Tour Bus Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can do a couple things. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can like us or find us online wherever you do your social media. For more information on how you can interact with our musician guests and contributors, check www.thetourbuspodcast.com. You can also fill out an application for a backstage pass and sign up for our newsletter. If you have a comment or question or a tip on how we can do better, go to thetourbuspodcast.com slash tipjar or email tipjar at thetourbuspodcast.com. Once again, I'm Jay, a.k.a. The Tour Bus Driver, and you're listening to The Tour Bus Podcast, a platform built by working musicians and producers to help you get more auditions, more gigs, and more of what you want. Theme music provided by The Rocktronics and at Philly Stacks Music. Promotional support provided by yours truly. Thanks for listening.